This is a 980 CKNW podcast. You are live with the App Show. Mike Agarbo here in studio. I've got uh, fellow app nerd John Beeler with me today. We have a lot to talk about on today's program. Uh, we will uh, be chatting with the folks over at MasterCard. There's a whole new standard coming to online shopping as far as payments. Uh, and it's already launching in the U.S. as we speak. Of course, not here in Canada yet, but it's going to make it even easier for you to actually buy things without passwords when you go to websites. Yeah, it's pretty cool how they do that. But also it's like maybe voodoo magic. Yeah, it's a little kind of creepy that they know so much about you, but it's also something you opt into as well. Yes, so. but it, it's supposed to be even more secure. Yeah. And which from is weird, like with no password, it's still more secure. Yeah. So we're going to be uh, talking with uh, Sukmani Dev from MasterCard. Uh, I was down at that Money 2020 conference with you yep. last week and uh, saw some interesting things there as far as technology and the financial side. It was a lot more interesting than I was expecting. Yeah, <laughs> it actually was. We thought it was going to be a bunch of accountants. Yeah, but no, there's some really amazing things happening uh, when it comes to uh, like the financial side and how they're using technology to streamline payments. I know it doesn't sound exciting, but... This MasterCard interview is uh, pretty cool. Uh, we will be talking with the folks over at Plex. This is an app that I've been hearing about for years. All my friends told me, you got to use this app because I know you like having your own TV shows and movies and like to stream them. And I finally loaded it up and it's freaking amazing. Yeah, you can't stop talking about it around the office. <laughs> no, it has changed my life. And I, I really encourage you if you... Uh, like music, if you've got your own videos um, and also photos, if you want to manage your photos better and actually have automatic uh, uploading of those photos, you got to check it out. Let's talk about some of the app news now, uh, John. Uh, this was kind of uh, interesting. Adobe is bringing Photoshop camera to Android users. And iOS. And iOS, okay. Yes. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. And so Photoshop is probably one of the most well-known preeminent photo editing programs out there. All professionals use it. Uh, a lot of uh, regular folks use it as well. It's, it's very powerful as far as, you know, bringing your photos to life and, and doing crazy things with them. But now they're going to actually have that built into the camera. Yeah. So this is a standalone app. And essentially, they've built all this magic into it. When you take a photo, typically you would take a photo and then you spend a lot of time sort of manipulating it afterwards, you know, in Snapchat or uh, Instagram, something like that. But what Adobe's done with this new app is they want to actually let the magic do it while you're taking the photo. And there's a number of different things you can do on the fly with this app. You can even replace the complete background, you know, so you can take a photo of somebody and put a better background behind them. Um, right through the camera app. Through the app, yeah. 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 That's kind of cool. Yeah. So uh, it's not available yet. They're actually... So we're getting everyone excited. Yeah. It, yeah. Well, it kind of might be available. Let me explain. So it's going to be launching in 2020. Yeah. Um, but they're taking signups now for anyone that wants to try it as a beta app. That's cool. Yeah. I want to quickly uh, touch on a news story this week. Uh, happened in a Richmond, uh, BC parking lot in the mall. This Tesla... Uh, using the summon feature, which has just come out recently, was basically driving itself through the parking lot back to its owner. And everyone was taking video of this and posting it online. And major news organizations, radio and TV, picked this up as a story. Which is hilarious. Well, to us, because we're tech nerds, right? Right. But then this is a feature that's been available for a while in the U.S. Yes. So... Um, so what essentially happens is if you've got a Tesla and you've got this feature in your Tesla, 
you can use your phone when you're at the mall and basically hit the summon uh, part of the Tesla app and your car will just automatically from its parking space uh, come and find you. Come and pick you up. Yes. So there's a few caveats. You have to be within, I think, 200 feet of the car. And they say line of sight. You have line to be able to watch your car, basically. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but it only works for a couple hundred feet. Anyway, people were freaking out in these videos that this car was driving itself. They were complaining it's driving in the wrong side of the road. And then I argue, well, it's a parking lot. Yeah, it's, it's not... I mean, I guess it's a roadway, but it's kind of not. And I would argue that that, that Tesla is probably driving better than most people in <laughs> mall parking lots. If you've ever been to a mall parking lot, God help you. Yes. So, uh, you know, you could see pedestrian walk in front of it. It stopped. And it's not like it's like doing like 50 kilometers an hour. It's pretty slow. No, it, it was crawling. And overly cautious. Yes. Yeah. But everyone was freaked out. So then the owner, I guess they interviewed the owner and he's saying, uh, well, it was being controlled from another mall i don't know if they're just saying that just to get the press off their back but you know i just i was reading all the comments and stuff uh from people watching this there's a lot of racist people out there yeah yeah, yeah. that's why you don't read the comments on anything it that is me crazy. specific to locations or but you know at the same time uh you know for these news organizations do a little homework like that's a big feature that Tesla announced, you know, weeks ago here in Canada, if they'd done a little research, that's just a known feature. It is interesting though. One of the articles I read talked about, they talked to ICBC who has said this feature is not allowed in British Columbia. Oh, so good thing. I didn't buy that feature. Yes. Okay. We're gonna have to take a break. When we come back, how would you like to have your photos from your phone just automatically sucked up into your own personal hard drive in your house when you get home or if you're near any Wi-Fi hotspot, so you have a backup all the time. And how would you like to be able to access all of your media from any device that's connected to the internet? We're gonna to talk to the folks at Plex back after this. You're back with the App Show, Mike Agarbo here. Let's talk about uh, content and streaming. For many years, I've had a lot of my friends telling me, you gotta get Plex. It's like the best thing ever. And for many years, I did not. I've been using things like Kodi and all sorts of other types of smart TV boxes and, and apps. And I actually have a lot of my own content. Like I like to have my own TV shows and movies. I got my own home videos and music. Well, Plex is a, an app and a platform that makes it so much easier to, to access that content no matter where you are on pretty well every device you can think of. On the line, we have someone from Plex. His name is Jason Williams. Thanks for joining us today, Jason. Uh, thank you for having me. So it's funny. It's just honestly in the past month that I've just kind of got on the Plex bandwagon and I've been thinking, what the hell have I been doing for the past, <laughs> you know, five, six years? I mean, this has changed my life. Explain to listeners what Plex is all about. Sure. So uh, Plex is kind of your all-encompassing entertainment solution. Uh, and it's probably worth just a, a little bit of history on, on how we got here. You had mentioned that, you know, you like to have your own media and that's where we really kind of started. So <clears throat> Plex is about 10 years old. Uh, it really started off as an enthusiast project. Um, and it was kind of born out of a time where we had tons of DVDs and CDs around, but we had this emergence of streaming media, right? It was just now starting. We started to have these connected devices. So what happened is uh, a lot of the people who had, um, you know, large volumes of uh, physical media really wanted to be able to get that media both in and out of their homes and on various devices without having to sit there and have a dedicated DVD player or, you know, a, a huge rack full of CDs and DVDs. 
So you had mentioned Cody and XBMC. Um, we actually forked off of XBMC um, uh, some time ago, uh, where XBMC was really focused on kind of like a, a local player. And Plex took a different approach, where they said, hey, we're going to kind of have a centralized brain, a, a little server that you install. You point it to wherever your media is. And then all of a sudden, we'll have all these clients on mobile devices, TV platforms, that's gaming consoles, your TV platforms today. Um, you know, really almost anything with a screen now, Plex is just everywhere. Um, and we'll let the, you know, kind of the brain be able to stream that stuff to you. Uh, so that really started with, um, you know, movie and TV show collections, uh, then moved into music. Um, and then later on, we said, okay, like, you know, cord cutters were huge fans and we're going to introduce live TV. So now you can hook up a tuner to your server and you can watch some DDR live TV without any, you know, cost for over the air. Um, and, and that kind of just continued. And then obviously as we've gone further into the future now, um, we're delivering a lot of first-party media to podcasts and news and web shows and you know, a ton of other content. Yeah, it's a, you know, and let's just try to walk our, our our listeners through this. If you do have a lot of your own content, you know, there's a couple steps uh, in, involved. Obviously, that content's living somewhere in your home on a computer hard drive, whether that's uh, on the computer on a, an external hard drive or even a, a network attached storage uh, device or, or hard drive. And uh, essentially, you go to the Plex website and you download the Plex server. And going through the setup there, you essentially tell it where all your content is, what kind of content it is. And from there, you can start sharing that. So now I can actually access that on pretty well all of my smart TV uh, devices in my home, my, my iPad, my smartphones, just through the, the Plex app, which is a, a free download. And the really nice thing about it is, uh, and this is why I use Plex, Jason, is because it doesn't matter what device you're connecting to the Plex server, it'll transcode if necessary so that it's playable on that device. Yeah, yeah so that's one of our big, I'm sorry, no, that's one of our big claim to fame is we've worked a lot on, on transcoding. We can talk just high level what that really means, but it means that you can throw any media, it doesn't matter what format, uh, what codec, and that's a little technical, but essentially, you don't have to worry about doing any pre-processing to your media. You can actually take that media file, make it accessible via the server, and then Plex will handle knowing what it needs to do to that media in order to deliver it. And that might be reduce the bandwidth, so reduce the overall size, the delivery if you're remote accessing over like LTE, or even convert the format to something that the device is capable of playing. I had an issue in my house. Uh, somehow we've uh, ended up with all kind of Roku smart TVs, uh, which yeah. I, I love for the simplicity. Because I have a lot of my own media, they are not very good at handling the different file formats, and uh, nor do they have the, the power to handle a lot of these uh, these video formats. So uh, once I installed you know the Plex server and I put the Plex app on the different Roku TVs, it changed my life. Like I was able to access everything. Like, so all the TV shows and movies I, I have uh, from my collection from, you know, many years gone by, uh, but also, you know, my music, my photos, uh, and even my home videos. I probably have the nerdiest use case though. Okay. I, of course I, you do. I set up the Plex server on my MacBook yeah. so that I could actually send uh, the 360 videos that I shot with my 360 camera to my VR headset. 
So I don't oh. have to have that all stored locally on the device. I could actually have it on a hard drive connected to my MacBook. So is it streaming it to your? Yeah, iPad? it's streaming it, and it's it's live. And I can actually like interact with it and move and around. And the quality's good. It's fantastic. Yeah, wow. it was actually it was the only solution that would actually work properly. Everything else, even the native Oculus stuff that I had, was supposed to work, but it didn't. So Jason, one of the things I liked as well is that uh, you can stream the content. Uh, so I can be anywhere around the world as long as I have some type of data connection, whether through uh, cell data or, or Wi-Fi, which is typically better and cheaper. Um, but I love the fact that I could also download uh, offline versions of any of the content as well. So if I was going to be on a plane or underground, uh, you know, on it's a like subway. It's like your own personal Netflix. It is. Yeah, it, I, yeah I'm, <laughs> you can tell I'm pretty excited about this. Is there a Plex app for your Tesla, though? No, Jason, you got to get on that. My Tesla doesn't have a Plex app. We may be able to work on that. We seem to have a, a good kind of cross-section of Tesla owners and Plex users. So maybe that's something we could do. Uh, let's talk about, uh, so it's free. This is free to, to get going, and you can access pretty well most of the stuff and the features. Uh, but you also have a Plex Pass as well. Explain to listeners what that's all about. Yeah, so uh, Plex Pass is really um, opens up, as you said, Plex is free. You could come in, you can use the 99% use case freely today, but Plex Pass offers you a lot of cool extra features. Um, so things like being able to do things like lyrics for your music as you're playing and access to that, um, enhanced uh, artwork. Uh, you had mentioned sync. So if you want to be able to sync and, and take that stuff with on the road with you, you can. Uh, automatic camera upload. There's just there's a ton of features um, that you know are kind of more premium features that uh, you can see in Plex Pass. So definitely go to Plex.tv, and if you go to look at Plex Pass, you can kind of see all the stuff you get for the free version and everything you get with the Plex Pass version. Let's talk about that automatic camera upload. Upload. How does that work? So uh, much like if you were using Google Photos or um, you know or uh, Apple to back up your cell phone, if you uh, take pictures, Plex can automatically upload them, but rather than being stored in the cloud, you can actually store them on your own server. Um, and this is a nice, uh, especially, um, you know, if, if A, you like your privacy, but also if you really want to have high-res versions untouched by uh, what some of the, you know, the others may do reduced versions for the free packages. And, and with, um, that, with those photos, then you can then share that particular folder or part of it to your family. So you don't have to post them on Facebook. You can actually give them a link and they can have that own app install and path, basically a tunnel right to your folder of photos. That's exactly right. So you can kind of create albums and share those independently. Yep. So Jason, uh, just so I understand, uh, so that feature is available for Android phones and uh, iPhones. Uh, how does yep. that work? Uh, is it through the Plex app? Do you give the Plex app permission to go into the photos? That, that's it. So when you install Plex, um, if you open the kind of the side menu, you'll be able to enable um, camera upload and it'll just start, start automatically indexing your photos once you give it permissions and upload for you. And, and you can even set kind of how, you know, various sync options, where to sync, only on Wi-Fi, uh, particular folders, whatever. This is changing my life because right now, like, I, I have an iPhone and so I'm backing everything up into iCloud, but it always kind of freaks me out. Do you know what I mean? Like, what if something bad happens <laughs> to the cloud? And I know they're, they're good, but I love the fact that I would be able to, and it's automatic, right, Jason? It's automatic. So, and the great thing is you can still do both. So yeah. if you want to have iCloud, that's great. But if you want to make sure you're always retaining um, your own you know, content and a place that you feel safe to store 
it's a great solution. So now basically you're saying when I walk into my house or uh, get a Wi-Fi connection, it just automatically sends them? Yep, absolutely. You can even have it upload over, you know, LTE if you like on mobile or cellular. But yeah, you can say, hey, just whenever I hit Wi-Fi, start uploading. The, the big thing I really like, though, is that the Plex app is available literally on every platform you can imagine. Like yeah. every time I, you know, spin up a new thing, we get into the office f- for review. It's like, hey, there's the Plex app. Like I can install it on that, you know, that Fire TV stick or, you know, it doesn't matter what it is. Roku, and, which I was surprised. But yep, <laughs> yeah, you, it's you available can. everywhere. That was a big focus. I mean, our, we want to be ever accessible everywhere on any device. Um, and I think that's one of the things that's made us actually successful in this space is that, you know, we're a mixed home here. Like we have, you know, Android TV, NVIDIA Shields, we have Roku's, so, you know, other family members have Fire Sticks. And it just doesn't force you into an ecosystem. You can basically say, hey, like, I want to be agnostic on on what devices I use, but you know you'll always have access. Well, I love the fact, though, too, because uh, I, I got the Plex Pass, uh, and now I'm able to share my libraries of content with anyone. I can just basically get their email address and send them an invite. I can specify what libraries, whether it's my movies, TV shows, my home videos, or pictures, and uh, then through a Plex app, they can see all of that, which is kind of cool. I'm still waiting for my invite, Mike. <laughs> Screw you, John. <laughs> there was only one. <laughs> uh, Jason, where can people find out more information? Uh, Plex TV. So that's Plex.TV, correct? Plex.TV. Yeah. Thanks for joining us, Jason. Thank you. I appreciate it. That was Jason yeah. Williams from Plex, Plex.TV. I highly recommend you uh, you try it out. I've, I can't say enough great things about it. If you're listening to the app show here on the Chorus Radio Network, we will be back after this. We're back with the app show. Mike Agarbo here. Uh, recently had a chance to go down to uh, kind of a cool fitness studio. They're called Orange Theory, and they use technology and apps to actually help you do your workout and keep track of your fitness. Uh, actually, one of the investors is uh, Trevor Linden, a local hockey legend and hero. Let's check it out. I've got a couple of uh, the, the key people behind Orange Theory. I've got uh, David Long and uh, Ellen Latham. Latham, I've got that right. Uh, so I actually drove by one of these on the way to work about a week ago, and I was like, oh, I wonder what that is. <laughs> and this is kind of a different type of uh, fitness studio that I'm used to seeing. Yeah, so the workout is backed on science. And what I, that basically means is I'm an exercise physiologist. I was looking to design a metabolic workout for all individuals, men, women, all ages, all fitness levels. And so portion of the class is where we're getting the heart, which is a muscle, over 84% of maximum of what it beats. And basically what I'm trying to accomplish there is to create an oxygen net in the body. So you have to repay that oxygen net 24, 36 hours after, creates an afterburn. It ignites the cells. Then we have rowers in here, which for, further put fou- power in the body. And we have a weight room where we uh, activate your posture muscles and your outside muscles. So everything in here, combining strength and cardio intervals, makes it very easy for everyone in one hour to get everything you need if you're looking to anti-age your cells and metabolically charge your body. You could fix even people like me? I can fix everyone. <laughs> Absolutely. We have individuals who uh, are in their 80s. We have individuals who have not done 
any form of working out for decades. They come in. We have a walker category, a jogger category, a runner category. So you come in. If you're like, Ellen, I haven't been doing anything. You go, okay, can you walk? Then you'll do the walker category and we'll build you. And you may stay at the walker category, but we'll build your stamina cellularly that you're going to be able to handle some rowing, some weights. And it, it's just done incredible things for all individuals. And we have almost a million members right now. Let's talk about some of the technology. Uh, I'm looking in your studio here. There's screens up. Uh, I watched one of your workouts uh, and people actually have their info right up on one of the screens. Are they competing against each other? How does this all work? And so, so, you know, the foundation of the workout is, to, as Ellen said, is to get that heart rate in the right zone for at least 12 minutes. To do that, we monitor everybody's heart rate in every class. So the member can see where they're at throughout the class and know when they need to push a little harder. And the coach that leads them and, and inspires them in the class can also see. So from a safety standpoint and a motivation standpoint, we're putting people just in the right zone so they're working just hard enough to maximize results. So they see that on the screen. They also see it on the cardio equipment like the treadmill and eventually the rower. So all their distance, all their performance metrics are being tracked. And so they see it during the class. And then on our mobile app, they get summary of how many calories they burnt, how they're improving over time. They get a dashboard. And so they can see, wow, month over month, I'm improving. I'm getting faster. I'm getting stronger. And they can tie those improvements through the technology tracking to whatever that their goals are out of the studio. Are you competing against other people or are you doing it on your own? It's really about competing against yourself, and as Ellen said, it's about making these incremental improvements each workout. Now, there are people that come into the class that might look around and you know see somebody running, and maybe they are motivated to compete. It's not part of our programming, but organically it happens. But I think more importantly is we want people to come in and, and continually improve themselves. So there, there's no expectation that we set that you're competing against other people that are in the facility. They must be wearing some type of wearable to monitor all this. Yeah, we have a number of proprietary wearables. The latest one is called the OT Beat Burn. And so it's a, it can be worn on the wrist, on the arm, on the upper arm. And so it's a very lightweight, easy to use, um, heart rate monitor that they can also use outside the studio. So if a member is like, I want to go for a run tomorrow or a cycle, they can use the same wearable that we give them in here. And it give, and then that dashboard will roll up and all their calorie burn and the metrics outside the studio gives them one full dashboard of their kind of picture of everything they're doing for fitness. Well, it's interesting. I also learned that uh, there's a local connection in Vancouver. Trevor Linden's actually uh, got a number of these studios. He is. He's. It's. We've been fortunate. He's been in our in our franchise system for a number of years. He has nine locations here. Obviously, he's very very well known. You know, we're excited to have him in the in the Orange Series system. It's interesting watching these workouts. Uh, I've done, you know, gone to fitness uh, places a number of time over the years, but. Uh, eventually I kind of drop out because I'm trying to do it all on my own. I don't know what's going on. Uh, but these are all led, these, these classes. Yeah, that's such an important point in fitness is that people really don't know how to put together a great our fitness program. So we have three different formats, endurance, strength, and power. You need both. You need endurance. That would be stamina that you're building. You need strength. You need to be able to build intensity and your body being able to handle that. And you need power. Power is a short bout that you really hit it hard. So you need all of those things. Our cells need those to live vibrantly, to, you know, extend life. So every day there's a different workout of endurance, strength, or power. And then we even have some days we call ESP days that 
that's all of them combined. Every day there's a different workout. We have an entire team in Boca Raton, Florida, a template design team that designs these routines, sends them to our over 1,200 studios. So someone in Japan is doing the same workout as someone in Florida. So it's scientifically designed. They're all tested that the correct heart rate response is taking place. Then we send them out to our studios for our very talented coaches to, you know, dispense these. Why is it important to measure all this information? Well, as Ellen says, you can't improve what you're not measuring. And so our goal is to continue to figure out how do we measure everything that goes on inside the, the studio during this workout? Because we realize that the important thing is that people make improvements so they can reach goals outside the studio. They're not, they're working out for a million reasons, you know, things they want to do outside the studio. And it's not just they want to run a race. It's they want to do something with their kids. They have an activity. They want to have more energy. And so the more information we can give them and show them that the improvements they're making are leading to things, improvements outside the studio. And so that's why our mission is to track virtually everything that happens in here. David Nell, I want to thank you for coming on the program. Where can people find out more information about Orange Theory? I mean, our website, www.orangetheoryfitness.com. Um, you guys have a, a hashtag? Hashtag 100 times more life. Fantastic. Thanks for coming on the program. Thank you so much. When we come back from the break, there's a new standard coming out for shopping online that's going to make it even easier to buy things without passwords, yet making it more secure. You're listening to The App Show here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You are back with The App Show. Recently, John and I traveled down to beautiful Las Vegas for a big financial tech conference called Money 2020 to see how technology was influencing how we pay for things. Uh, we actually had a great chance to interview Sukman Dev, Sukmani Dev from MasterCard about uh, a new payment standard. Not only MasterCard, but Visa, American Express, and many others are jumping on board with when it comes to click to pay when you're doing online shopping. Launching in the US already as we speak, coming to Canada soon. How does this affect you? Listen to the interview. Uh, one of the things I hate when I go to do online shopping is that every website I go to, I have to enter my information in again and again, my different credit cards, uh, I have to remember passwords. Well, there's a new standard coming out that's going to make that a whole lot easier. And to help us understand what that's all about, we've got our good friend Sukmani Dev from MasterCard. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Mike. So when I go to pay now on different websites, I see things like MasterPass, which is your thing for MasterCard. I think Visa has Visa Checkout. But that's all kind of coming together on a new standard called SRC, Secure Remote Commerce. So for the listeners, why should they care about that? Thanks for asking that question, Mike. Um, listeners should care about it because this new standard has the word secure in its name. And truly living up to that, it will provide a secure, seamless way for consumers like you and my, me that don't love uh, remembering a tons of passwords have a simple, seamless experience online. And what I mean by that is that it's passwordless, yet secure, because of the technology that we've built in behind the scenes. So when you see a new stylized fast-forward sign, which is the icon for click-to-pay, as it's called, you'll be able to click on it and breeze through the checkout experience while having the confidence that your transaction is actually secure and it's predictable. So when I go to my favorite shoe site now and then they have that, uh, that going... I would just basically click on that icon once I've picked out my shoes and 
that's it. Like, there's nothing else. I, I basically click on it, and then I can choose what credit card I want to use. Exactly. Uh, and there's no passwords or anything. That's so how is that secure? <laughs> that kind of freaks me out. <laughs> so you do have to set up your profile one time. Yes. And you have to choose to be remembered on that device. And Got what it. happens behind the scenes is that we have this sophisticated technology that we call passive... Um, Oh, I know this. It's passive biometrics and behavioral analytics. You got it. So it's uh, passive biometrics and behavioral analytics that are happening behind the scenes that actually look at the way that that transaction is happening and the data elements associated with it to be able to make a determination whether it's Mike who's actually using this and it's Mike's profile versus it's a fraudulent user and a fraudster trying to commit fraud in your name. So how does that work? I mean, those are some big words there behavioral analytics and passive biometrics. When I think biometrics, uh, I think like face ID on my iPhone or my fingerprints, mm -hmm. fingerprint reader. Mm -hmm. So so this is actually taking account your behavior in the sense of how much are you moving your mouse or how you're holding your device, whether you're left-handed or right-handed. So these elements of your behavior that are unique to you, because I'm sure when we, you type your name, you type it very differently at a different speed and you pause differently versus when I type my name, I have a different speed, I pause differently when I click or browse a website, I follow a different path than you might do. So these are characteristics that are very unique to a human being, and that's what we mean by passive biometrics. These are attributes that may not be able to tell exactly that, oh, this is, this is actually Mike, or identify you, but they'll be able to verify that this is a legitimate user who we are used to seeing do this kind of behavior, and that's why we're able to say this is not a fraudster, this is not a bot, but rather a legitimate user going through this flow. So you can tell by the way I'm holding my iPhone, making the purchase, and how fast I'm typing that it's me. We can tell that you're not a fraudster. That is kind of cool. That is actually kind of cool, isn't it? Yeah. So this new standard uh, obviously will work on mobile devices, but also Web. Uh, yeah. yeah, just regular desktops and laptops. Absolutely. As so well. absolutely. Um, so why is it taking this long to come up with like one standard? <laughs> is a good question. So we've been very focused on making sure that your face-to-face -face payments are secure and seamless and uh, standards-driven. So you tap your card in store, you put and chip your card in store, all those transactions happen seamlessly. You don't even think twice about them. No. And the reason for all that is standards. And after having that success for a long time in the face-to-face -face space, obviously we realized that we have to move towards a standards-based approach in the digital world itself because of the fraud that's prevalent in the space, and which is why building together to the standard by EMV Co. is the right approach, and that's what we're doing. Very cool. So from what I understand, uh, it's just available down in the U.S. right now. That's right. And so eventually coming to Canada. That's right. So in the U.S., we actually launched uh, a couple of weeks ago, and it's live at Select Merchants. You can, wherever you see the stylized fast-forward sign, which is called Click it's a, it's a new little icon. It's a new little icon. Uh, you can click and have this experience, and like you said, soon to come to Canada. What about um, small businesses? Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, maybe they have a website, they're selling a few things online. Is this an onerous uh, thing to get it up and going on their websites? Actually, the thing with this is that because it's standards-based and it supports, um, it's supported by a majority of the card networks, you only have to implement it once, and it actually streamlines the implementation experience for you if you're a merchant or a small business, instead of having to separately integrate, say, into a master pass or a different implementation by our competitors. So that used to be a world where, you know, you have to do multiple implementations, but now we're moving towards a world that simplifies that integration effort. And so 
the, the actual credit card number isn't going to be like on their system anymore. Good point. So as part of setting up your SRC profile, when you enter your credit card information to be associated with that profile, what we're doing is we're taking that and replacing with what we call a token. Okay. So it is, um, you know, often numeric number that is kind of an identifier, but it's really not your sensitive 16-digit card information. Yeah. And the transaction can happen using that token instead. So you're right. Like, instead of handing over your 16-digit card number, now that is being protected through tokenization. That would be a lot safer. Like, even if you're a small business, uh, that's kind of a risk having all your customers' credit card information because you probably don't have as high security uh, on on your back end that like an Amazon would. Mm -hmm. We're all about merchant choice. So if as a merchant you did want to save the card credentials, we provide a tokenization solution that can just allow you to save the credentials yourself but tokenize them. Or you can use SRC, which is um, more of a guest checkout type of experience where you don't, as a merchant or small business, don't hold on to card credentials, but they sit within the SRC profile or SRC systems, so to speak, and allow that as a path to check out to your consumers. So we're supporting both. We're all about merchant choice, uh, but we are making our technologies like tokenization that we just talked about and other sophisticated things like MasterCard identity check, which is another thing that merchants can leverage to make sure that the fraudsters stay out of their front door. Goodbye, fraudsters. We're talking with Sukmani Dev. She is from MasterCard, talking about SRC, Secure Remote Commerce. This is a, a new little icon you will start seeing, uh, starting out down in the U.S., on your favorite uh, e-commerce sites and uh, coming up into Canada soon uh, as well. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Mike. My pleasure. You are back with the App Show. Mike here with John. It's that time for John's favorite app of the week. So this week, Stop Motion Studio. Okay. This is for iOS and Android, and it's free. And it's a filmmaking technique. Stop Motion is a filmmaking technique that allows you to take a series of still photos and stitch them together making a video. Yes. There's a lot of movies like this. Yeah, all the Christmas holiday specials. Yes, Wallet and Gromit. Wallace and Gromit, yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so the technique is painstakingly slow to achieve both during filming and editing. However, the Stop Motion Studio app makes it uh, easy by giving you the ability to take photos within the app or using a digital camera and having the app stitch them together into a stop motion piece for you. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, so you basically turn it on, then move the little guy step by step. Yeah. Yeah, so you can have Lego characters, you can have action figures, whatever you want. Play-Doh. Yep, Play-Doh. Uh, there's also a host of editing options within the app to help tell you, help, to help you tell your creative stop-motion story. That's kind of cool. How much? Free. <laughs> yes, never free. <laughs> there must be an in-app purchase. If you wanted to go for more than two seconds, 50 bucks. No? No. Okay. You know what? I'm going to try that, actually, because yeah. I remember as a kid, I loved stop motion, and the technology was not there for me to really I did it. it on Super 8. I had a Super 8, but I did not have the patience <laughs> or the, the money for the film or the know-how or the creativity. I was missing many things. <laughs> this app would have solved all of my childhood issues, it sounds like. Stop motion, what's it called? Stop motion studio. Love it. And it's free. It's free. iOS and Android? Yes. That's all the time we have left for the app show. Don't forget to visit our website, getconnectedmedia.com. Up there, we've got our video podcast of the program and also our sister show, Get Connected. Not only the TV show, but the radio show as well that you can hear every Saturday here on Global News Radio, CKNW 980 and across the Chorus Radio Network. 
I want to thank John and Stephen for helping put the show together. And of course, uh, Graham Williams uh, as well. And AJ, this is uh, the team signing off. We'll see you again next time. You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at cknw.com, the Radio Player Canada app, Tune in Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW.